G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy Francis, the National Director of Politics at the ACL, is joining us. Wendy, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. As always, it's a pleasure to be on your program. Wendy, you were reported widely, not only nationally on the weekend, but also internationally, people reading about your drawing attention to issues around sex-selective abortion. And this was on the back of a meeting for federal and state women's ministers late last week. Uh, Give us your insights into how that meeting went. So the meeting went as we expected. Uh, Abortion was high on the list of discussion for this meeting. Federal and state women's ministers all came together in Adelaide. And the Federal Minister for Women, Katie Gallagher, is the one who um, initially proposed that they wanted to uh, promote a national approach to abortion laws. And her stated focus was actually on introducing policies that promote gender equality. And, of course, this is where um, we really jumped into the conversation uh, for a number of reasons. But as you say, particularly about the sex selection abortions that are certainly on the rise in Australia. Now, let's zero in on this for a moment uh, because it's being called a missing girls culture around the world and uh, Mm. it's showing some level of increase here in Australia. So uh, what is so important about, (coughs) pardon me, about focusing on this issue of sex-selective abortions? Well, it is on the rise in Australia, and it's not uh, Christian reporters or journalists who are actually zeroing in on this. It's um, universities such as RMIT University who are looking into the phenomena of the growth growth, particularly in some ethnic communities, of the number of boy babies being born as opposed to the number of girl babies. And and this is a concern. And so we've got uh, the secular universities um, fronting up about this. But then we've also, many of your listeners would remember Dr. Mark Hobart, who was um, put under investigation by the medical board because he refused to refer a patient and her husband um, to somebody to have a sex selection abortion. Uh, That case is, as far as I understand, that case is still happening underway. Um, And he has had to go through enormous amount of um, scrutiny from the medical board simply for not referring for a sex selection abortion. So we know it's happening in Australia. And sadly, our Medicare is paying for this. And so every Australian who contributes with their taxes to Medicare uh, is contributing financially to not only the 90,000 abortions that we have annually in Australia, which is a shock um, to most people, but part of that are sex selection abortions. And so we were saying to these um, state women's ministers, particularly being women, this this is an issue for exactly what you're trying to promote, gender equality, 
So whether or not you even have this desire to be able to kill babies in the womb, surely you would recognise that there is an issue when girl babies are being singled out for abortions. Okay, so this is relevant university research showing that, uh, as I uh, read some of those reports, up to 106 males born for every 100 females. And you've got to boil that down to the fact that there must be some level of sex selection abortion that's happening. And so, Wendy Francis, you're calling out the hypocrisy here when you've got women's ministers who are trying to promote gender equality. And uh, here's absolute evidence that gender equality is nowhere near the mark when it comes to what's happening within ethnic groups in particular in Australia. Correct. And we're not alone in it because there are a number of um, radical feminists who I've spoken to about this and they are in agreement. Whilst they still want to have uh, um, access to abortion themselves, they are in agreement that this is uh, certainly discriminatory against women and so they want this practice stopped. But this, it creates a problem, doesn't it? It creates a problem for those who are pushing for abortion to birth for any reason. And this is what we have in a number of states now in Australia. There is no reason why you cannot get an abortion and that is right up to the time of birth. And this is shocking to most Australians. Is it something you can apply to just some ethnic communities, though? Uh, Because, as I understand it, uh, particularly India and China, uh, ethnic communities here in Australia that are more likely to be going along with this thought of sex selection abortion because that's what happens back home. Uh, Any thoughts here around singling out particular groups? Those groups are certainly the ones more prevalent to do this because a boy in their culture is something to be prized over a girl, which, again, is so un-Australian. But um, when we allow something to happen in any culture or in any circumstance, what we're doing is we're saying this is okay. And so as soon as we say that's okay, then there are going to be um, many other families who think, oh, well, you know, I really want a boy or I really want a girl. Um, And for whether it's a boy or a girl, to decide that you don't want a baby on the basis of their sex is hugely discriminatory for a start. But it so, so um, grieves the heart of God. Uh, Any decision to glibly um, remove a child from the womb is just so grievous to God. And so when we say it's okay for, if if we did say, well, it's only happening in these ethnic communities and that's part of their culture, uh, then when when we say something's okay, the law is an educator. And when the law allows something, it educates people that this is okay. Wendy, let's just bring this down to a level where every single listener uh, can really appreciate what's going on because uh, if you fall pregnant, uh, any couple will be able to tell you. These days you go through a process and you turn up and you have an ultrasound and there are people there that are looking for all sorts of uh, abnormalities or whatever with your baby in the womb and you have this ultrasound and usually they will reveal the sex of the baby if you want to know. There's moves to even think through the issues of banning the thought that ultrasound practitioners 
might reveal the sex of the baby, perhaps to save more of these little girl babies. Any thoughts around things that you can do to to try and preserve the lives of these little girls? I think this um, what you're talking about has really been instigated by the doctors and the medical staff themselves because they're finding it so incredibly distressing that they're at the ultrasound table and then instead of being joyous and, and so excited, there's this um, depression comes over and particularly the woman because it's, uh, again, in these cultures, often it is the man who really wants a son. And so, you know, I think that that is, that is one thing. Certainly when I had my babies, there were no ultrasounds, Neil. Um, we really didn't. I mean, there were if there was perceived to be some issue that you might be able to help the baby in the womb. But it, there was no thought, well, we'll just check and make sure there's no cleft palate or there's no this or that. And and babies, um, babies should be allowed to be born without checking whether they're going to be perfect or not. It's just such a sad thing. So we're really calling on the government and Albanese has come out in response to some of these calls from the state women's ministers and the federal minister. He's come out and he said, look, this is a, this is a state matter. We're not going to make this a federal matter. Um, and so, you know, what we're calling on him is to actually ban sex selection abortions. And in the way that he can do that is to to defund any sex selection abortions from Medicare. Um, and, you know, we would like to go a lot further than that, of course, because, you know, I am very uncomfortable that my tax dollars are financially supporting abortion. And there would be many, many Australians who feel the same as I do. And Wendy, the thought that uh, when there is a young couple, they fall pregnant, or even if there's an unexpected pregnancy, uh, people outside of a marriage covenant, uh, the thought that you can get good advice, uh, even financial help, support uh, to have your baby, there are all sorts of issues here that are being ignored at certain levels uh, politically. Any thoughts here about the sort of support that needs to be there for people who are pregnant? incredibly hard to get good support and very few and far between and the ones that are there like Priceless House in Brisbane and there's many um, different uh, certainly capital cities that have a place to go to they don't get funding um, so they're they're on their own and you know the pressure is on for a woman not to actually even consider adoption in in some states uh, the adoption is better than others new south wales has a better adoption regime than certainly queensland where i am uh, but queensland's adoption regime is so hard that there are less than 6 um, local adoptions happening in queensland every year so we're talking about uh, viable babies being aborted. So we, we, there are many things. Uh, like just, just having somebody to say congratulations for a start, instead of the first question being asked in a doctor's surgery is, uh, what do, what is your plan? Do, do, are you going to keep this baby? There should be no question like that because a woman who has just found out she's pregnant needs encouragement. But they also need somebody to walk beside them. There are many women who are in a situation now who don't have somebody to walk beside them. And, you know, churches are really key in this. And many of the houses that, like Price's House, are um, volunteers actually staff those places and they are from faith backgrounds because they know that God cares for every single life. And that's not just the baby, that's the mum as well. 
And there are pregnancy support organisations, not only in all the capital cities, but many regional centres as well, and hopefully uh, one within reach of the community that you live in. Uh, Wendy Francis, uh, there's lots more on the agenda. Let's touch on another uh, couple of the issues that you're dealing with. Uh, In the state of Queensland, the Queensland Department of Education and Training has produced an internal guidance document for staff about how they support gender-diverse children in schools. Your thoughts here around this particular document? It's it's quite shocking, Neil, and the fact that it is an internal guidance document means that it's not available for parents. So we were given it by a teacher who was concerned because in this document they they outline for staff, the Queensland Department uh, Education Department are outlining for staff how they are to support gender diverse children in schools. So what we're talking about here, these are sort the sort of things. Children um, are allowed to use the toilets and change rooms that align with the gender they identify as. So that is just a rock solid. Your children are allowed to use any toilet and change room that they want to if they align with that, that gender. Principals are not even allowed to ask children to use unisex toilets. The only the only way that they're allowed to ask children to use unisex toilets if they're choosing, like if a boy wants to use a girl's toilet, principals can't say, look, we'd rather you use this unisex one unless they're going to ask all students to use the unisex toilet, which is just madness. It gets worse, though. You know, on school camps, the, this guideline says parents and other students do not have to be notified that their child may be sharing sleeping quarters with a gender-diverse student. So parents of young girls do not have to be told that there is a biological boy sleeping in the same room with their, with their daughter. And the thought that there's a disaster waiting to happen, uh, I think there are already stories, aren't there, of where this is already implemented, that there are all sorts of things going wrong. So uh, certainly worth keeping abreast of that. And for just quickly on this, uh, Wendy, uh, for those who might Mm. be listening to our conversation now saying, oh, that could never happen in my school, uh, how far widespread is this becoming now? This is happening in every state school. I have to say, um, there are still very good teachers in state schools who are trying to uh, stem the tide of what is happening here. But I would be very surprised if you didn't ask your your principals and find out that there was uh, these sort of guidelines. So this is happening much, much more than we think. And Queensland is probably even uh, behind the eight ball when it comes to this sort of thing. If you live in Victoria... Uh, this sort of document is on steroids. It's um, when I'm, I say that, by it's just so much worse. Uh, so every state has these sort of guidelines. I, I really encourage parents to find out, get part of their PNC, so that they can actually push back on some of these ridiculous guidelines. Our children need to be protected. And how can parents even protect their children if they don't even know that there is such a document? Parents deserve to know what is being told in regards to their children's well-being and safety. All the issues we're talking about today, Wendy Francis, are focused on women and girls. And we've had recent conversations on this program about the erasure of women. Uh, There's another issue you're dealing with too, and uh, this comes to the state Mm. of Queensland again, a move to change the language in industrial relations laws. What's happening in Queensland? 
So again, it is in Queensland at the moment, but I, I believe that this is right through many of our states, certainly in Victoria again. But the bill is um, seeking to remove it. It was slipped through, with, you know, well, some of these bills just try and slip through without anybody noticing. It was removing any language like mother, maternity, she. Um, they moved that to like pregnant employee, birth parent, um, birth-related leave. And in, in other words... No acknowledgement that the the person having a baby and needing maternity leave was actually female, and so um, our objection to this is that we are dehumanising um, even the, the the role of motherhood. Uh, you know, it's again this is something that is not just a, an issue for people of faith, but many. Um, radical feminists are just calling out about this. They're calling it out because they're saying, you know, we've bought hard <laughs> for sex-based protections, recognition and equal treatment. And now many of those rights are actually being erased because we are we are wanting to remove any any distinction between women and men. And so we are uh, wanting to actually re- remove even, you know, the right to maternity leave. It's now going to be Parents leave. So any any idea of um, something peculiarly needful for a woman who's just undergone a birth of a child uh, is wanting to be removed. Wendy, we always like to end on a practical note. Uh, you're sitting listening to our conversation today and saying, what can I do? Uh, I always point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website so people can become informed about these things. But what sort of practical things can you do? And all of the issues we've been talking about today, as I said, around the erasure of women, what can listeners do today that might make some sort of a difference in the fight that you're in the middle of around uh, the women's issues and rights and uh, equality? Thoughts here from you, Wendy Francis? Being connected with an organisation such as ACL does help you know what's going on. And then when you know, there's a couple of things I would say. Get in contact with your local MP. That is really important so that they know that there are people in their community who are worried about these things. But I also want to say that I think I think it's time... Excuse me, I just got my throat caught. I think it's time for um, Christians particularly to start speaking truth themselves. I really urge people don't don't be caught up in in this um, this uh, like woke language. Don't be caught up in in agreeing with abortion under any circumstances. Speak out the truth every opportunity you possibly can. And of course, the Christian position on that is that God creates man and woman equal uh, in His image, and that essential equality is something that, as Christians, we can hold very tightly to and say it is equal. And therefore, when you get all of this inequality emerging, uh, that's a fabulous and firm foundation to stand on. Let me point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website, acl.org.au. That's the website of the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy Francis is the National Director of Politics at the Australian Christian Lobby. The website is acl.org.au. Wendy, thanks so much for a great update once again today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.